You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards Nagel, and Taylor Polendo. I'm not cheating. You're just paranoid. I only did it because I love you. Don't be so sensitive. I never said that. You have a terrible memory. All of these responses can be evidence of gaslighting in a relationship. But they don't tell the full story. The story is about patterned manipulation. The story is about poor emotional health. Gaslighting, in extreme cases, is the dangerous business of abuse. The term gaslighting originated in the movie Gaslight in 1944. The movie was about a man who slowly and steadily convinced his wife that she was going insane. He engaged in gaslighting to steal some jewelry and cover up a murder. Through subtle manipulation, he altered her environment, including making changes to the gaslights that seemed to dim and brighten for no apparent reason in their home. The husband told her that her concerns were all in her imagination. He eventually convinced her that she was mentally ill and should never leave her home. I'm sure you've heard the term gaslighting. It's become very popular in the last few years. In today's use, gaslighting means to undermine your perception of reality, your judgments, your decisions, everything, to the point where self-confidence declines and you feel you can no longer trust yourself or your own perceptions. You might even begin to wonder what's wrong with you, to the point where you might doubt your own stability or sanity. Robin Stern of Yale University says, quote, The gaslighter's ultimate goal is to make you doubt yourself so much that you will become totally dependent on them and only them, allowing them to control you, she says. Stern claims that gaslighting happens in three main phases, disbelief, defense, and depression. In disbelief, at first you might not believe someone's attempt to gaslight you. You may deny it, or perhaps suggest that the person doesn't know what they're talking about. In defense, as gaslighting becomes a more repetitive pattern, you might start to listen to the gaslighter and start to believe what he or she is saying, that they might have a valid point. In this phase, Stern says that you defend yourself, often attempting to disprove it through the use of reasoning or logic. As the pattern repeats, you might begin to believe the gaslighter has a point of view that you want to fairly consider. The last phase is depression. Unfortunately, over time, you may begin to believe your gaslighter's lies, especially if they're associated with any existing fears that you have. The gaslighter keeps you in a state of questioning reality, feeling insecure. In extreme cases, it can lead to high levels of instability and insecurity. Now, of course, every situation is different, but it's important to understand the phases, especially to combat it. The problem is that gaslighting is subtle. It's manipulative training that takes place over time. The person experiencing the gaslighting seems to see less and less clearly over time. So sometimes it takes an outside observer to be able to see things clearly. Now, gaslighting can be very confusing. Think about finding a text message on a cell phone and confronting your partner about a suspected affair and being told, you make me feel so suffocated, followed by other manipulating comments, only to have the conversation end with you apologizing for being suffocating. Let's be clear. The issue was never that you were suffocating. The issue was you were telling the truth to the gaslighter. And the gaslighter didn't want to face up to that. So the manipulating messages start in. And somehow you end up taking responsibility. Here's the bottom line. 
Gaslighters chip away at our support systems, ultimately creating isolation. And in that isolation, we can't see clearly any longer. We are excited to have Stacy Ross with us today. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you. We wanted to have you on because we wanted to hear from someone who has a different background than we have, which your background is in psychology, and learn a little more about this tendency of gaslighting and manipulation that we think we partially understand, but we'd love to get some more insight from you. Okay. Let's start though, talking about who you are and what you do. So I am a licensed marriage family therapist. I've been licensed for 20 years, but practicing for 25 as an intern and all of that leading up to my license. So I've been in this field a really long time. In addition to being a licensed therapist, I'm also um, a holistic health coach and a Reiki master. I integrate a lot of somatic work into my therapy. When I started to integrate that, I started to see huge changes in all of my clients, especially those who had dealt with trauma. Hmm. So I love the combination of all of that. It's like integrative health in general, right? So it's just a, a way of doing that. I am a mother of two children. My last child's about to graduate high school. Awesome. I've been married 20, uh-oh, 21 years, 22 years. That's kind of my background. That's, that's most of my professional stuff. Yeah. I've seen a lot over the years. I've worked with hospice. So I've done a lot of grief and bereavement counseling. I've worked with child protective services and adult protective services. I've had my own private practice. And in that, I've worked with sex trafficking. I've worked with more of the typical things you'd see in marriage, family therapy, divorce, child, adult issues, marriage issues, things like that. We need you on every podcast, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we just put you in our pocket and take you all over. <laughs> I have seen a lot over the years and there's a lot of themes I see that run through. And this is such an important topic that you wanted to address. And I'm so happy to share what my experiences have been with it. I've had professional experiences working with people who have been, as we call targets, we don't like the term victim, Mm -hmm. but who have been targets of gaslighters or manipulators. I've also personally been a target, Mm -hmm. very intimate relationships, uh, family members. And so I'm happy to be very self-disclosing, whatever it is you want to know today. I'm more than willing to share. Okay. Have you ever had to do any sort of therapy with a gaslighter? (laughs) Do they even seek therapy? (laughs) They don't come in for therapy. No, there's nothing wrong with them is their, their mentality. So the DSM, which is the diagnostic and statistical manual that psychologists and psychiatrists use to help diagnose people, Mm -hmm. it kind of lumps a group of personality disorders together. You have narcissism, you have antisocial personality disorder, borderline. Technically, a sociopath and a psychopath is not in the diagnostic manual, but we tend to throw those words around a lot in society. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is all of those are very similar to each other. And the thing that they have in common, that person who has that experience is low to no empathy. Mm. That is the key thing. Mm. So because they don't experience empathy, they don't have anything to draw from to come into therapy and work on because nothing's wrong. Mm. Now, what I have seen to be, to answer your question though, is when a couple comes in nine times out of 10, the term I will always hear is that let's just call them the manipulator to keep it really simple. Mm -hmm. They will often say, I'm here because she needs help. Mm. (laughs) I'm just here to support her or him. Mm -hmm. It goes both ways. It's not always, you know, just the guy, 
more often than not, the research has been around men, but there's definitely a large percentage of women who can fall into that category. But yes, they don't seek counseling. They don't need it. Mm. I've been in a room with someone like that. Yeah. What's that like? They went for me, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Are they even aware that they're doing it? Are they aware? We talked about how it's a manipulation training. That's a great question. There's a little bit of a difference between a manipulator and then the person who's gaslighting. Gaslighting is almost like the extreme actions of a manipulator. So let's be honest. We all have capacity to be a little manipulative, right? I mean, it could be very small things. I think about things like trying to get my kids to do stuff Mm -hmm. and I might be like incentivizing them, but it's a little bit of manipulation on some level, right? Mm -hmm. But it's with a good heart. I'm not really trying to be cruel or evil or break them down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we can all think of examples maybe where we've done that, but with gaslighting, you know, it's a systemic attempt by one person to basically break down another person mentally. It's, it's like psychological warfare. It's really abuse, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. but it mimics the same kind of techniques you would see in psychological warfare, where there's manipulation in a sense where you are being hostile or you're playing with their mind in a way that they, like the uh, intro says, where they start to second guess themselves. And that's very different. That's actually, I feel like not just psychological warfare, but warfare of someone's soul. Hmm. Because when they come in to finally see me for help, their soul is broken. And I don't mean to say they are broken, but there's a sense in them that they don't even trust themselves anymore. They don't really know Mm -hmm. what's right and wrong. There's such a sense of shame. They gave me the chills. Yes. Yeah. Right. Totally relate with that. Yeah. 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 It's And it's a painful feeling. So you're describing then we have manipulation on one end of the continuum and gaslighting on the other. And there's kind of degrees or? Well, no, what I would say is those diagnoses that I was sharing with you, if we just put them all under sort of a manipulator, someone who's lacking empathy, the gaslighting is the action of the manipulator. Okay. Hmm. So you have to kind of understand who is a manipulator. Why are they the way that they are? Most people who fall into the categories of those personality disorders, which by the way, are very difficult to treat. We've got two different axes in the diagnostic manual, axis one and axis two. And axis ones are like depression and things that you could even medicate, so to speak. But the personality disorders, there's no medication for that. Mm-hmm. You know, and there has to be a willingness for someone to want to change. And if they don't have uh, the ability to access that, and part of the reason they don't is there's entitlement. And there's also a very fragile sense of themselves, Hmm. (laughs) you know, a lot of bravado, but truthfully inside, they are very broken themselves and they don't know how to deal with that. They don't have the capacity. So they turn it outward. So does, does a gaslighter know they're doing it or do they do it unconsciously or do you gaslight consciously? Yeah. Hmm. A manipulator by nature, that is their nature to do the things that they do. When they gaslight, that's very intentional. Hmm. They know what they're doing. That's actually a hallmark of the process. Hmm. Their intent is to break somebody down. Hmm. Could we talk a little bit about a manipulator's trait? Maybe give you a bigger picture. Yeah. Let me talk about this one piece before I roll into that. So one of the reasons a manipulator struggles with (laughs) reality is that, again, they lack empathy. Right. So what's empathy? Empathy is that ability to understand another person, to kind of put yourself in their shoes, to have compassion for them, to 
feel beyond yourself. Mm -hmm. I already know simply because of the field of work that you ladies are in, you are empaths by nature. You wouldn't even be doing a podcast like this to get this information out if you didn't care about other human beings. That's how I see it. Mm -hmm. True. I like that. I'll give you some books at the end. And there's a great test that people can take. It's called Empathy Quotient Test by Dr. Baron Cohen, which you could just Google. It literally comes right up. And it's, I want to say there's like 45 questions. And the test itself helps you identify your level of empathy. Now, we all could be more or less empathic in a certain situation, but everyone has kind of their baseline. So when we get back to this manipulator, they don't have that to draw from. So their typical tendencies, one of the hallmarks you'll see is superficial charm. They know how to turn it on right from the very beginning. They're very gregarious and confident. They tend to talk at you instead of with you, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure for people in your field is super annoying (laughs) because the whole point is to give and take in a relationship, right? And have a conversation but the manipulator is not very good at that. And nor are they interested, frankly, in what you have to say, but they can be very charming. They know how to turn it on. They start to learn facial expressions. I'll give you some ideas in this conversation later, if you want about how to spot them. But one of the things they'll do is they'll watch you and they'll watch how you're responding and they'll kind of read your facial things and they'll try to mimic them because they don't fully actually understand how do you show empathy? What does that look like in a face? So they, if they learn it, they're really smart. They're cunning. I don't know if they're intellectually smart, but they're very cunning, smart in that sense. A manipulator loves chaos. So they have a need for stimulation. And since they don't have much going on internally, emotionally, they don't have that daily kind of possible check-in you and I might have about, huh, how did my day go? How am I feeling? You know, all that kind of stuff. Since they don't have that and they get bored very easily, they seek that stimulation externally. And one of the ways they do that is through chaos, through kind of mind games with people, through tactics that are drawing people in with that charm, but then turning the cold shoulder on them quickly. And it's like a game. Yeah. Right. So does that make sense though? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That lack of consciousness, we are able to check in on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one of the best gifts and that it will be one of the tools somebody needs to either identify a gaslighter get out of a situation where they're being gaslighted, you need to be able to trust that instinct and have that consciousness to say, this something's not quite right. And to really believe that that is okay to feel that way. Because the manipulator loves to invalidate. They want you to, to just never feel sure on your feet. Okay. So a couple other traits of theirs is that they are pathological liars. So, you know, there's compulsive lying, which actually is habitual and can't really be helped, but pathological lying is very intentional. Again, a manipulator has no problem telling a lie to get out of something. And then if they get caught, because the last thing they want is for the empathic person to call them out on their thing, which that's when they start to get defensive, right? They'll just up the ante and tell another lie and another lie and leave you feeling really frustrated because you see these, this pattern but it doesn't matter. A red flag for ourselves to know if we're with a manipulator is if we feel like we see that pattern and we actually need to record the conversation Mm. or have documentation to prove it. I've done that. Because in the end, it's not going to matter to them. They'll deny that as well. Even if you physically show them, look, you said this. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't. Yeah. What? So it's really more for your own validation and your peace of mind. But that is one of those like 
things that if you ever feel that way, know that you're talking to a manipulator. Mm -hmm. Any questions about that so far? Because I, I have a couple other highlights. Well, one thing I was thinking about is something that I heard, which is there's two realities existing and it's the denying of the target's reality. Yes. So they have a reality and then there's the manipulator's reality, but the manipulator discounts or dismisses the target's reality. Yes. And tries to just maintain the other one. That's exactly right. By saying, you don't know what happened. You don't remember it right. You're confused. Mm -hmm. Yes. All of those things. I never said that. That, that was a big one. I never said that. I never said that. That's a big one. You're right. Like I was there. I heard. Yeah. yeah like I saw it with my eyes. You take an example of a couple where one person literally sees the other person cheating, right? Having like maybe a lunch with somebody else. And they're saying, I saw you with that person. No, you did not. You're going to believe your eyes over what I'm telling you. I mean, it's as bad as that sometimes. You guys. I know. It's, it's, it, that's pretty extreme, but they call it word salad. They'll keep running you all over the place. And if you want to get them on a topic and they don't want to be on that topic, they will bring up something else that even if it's something else that bothered you from the past, they'll be at least be willing to talk about that to get you off the scent of the first thing, mm. anything to divert. Mm -hmm. The thing that we keep in mind is with the manipulator, they are out for themselves. All that matters is that they have control and they stay in control. And so whatever that's going to take for that to happen, sometimes it might be positive reinforcement where they are giving that person a lot of attention or giving them gifts or giving them money or whatever it is to kind of pull them back in or to, keep, you know, to get them in in the first place. Once that has been established, they can turn the cold shoulder again and then make you feel confused and like, what just happened? I thought we were doing well. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of a relationship in particular, like couples relationship, but that could happen in a workplace. A lot of sabotage happens in workplaces. Manipulators are very competitive by nature. If someone you're working with, you're competing with them for a job, a promotion, the manipulator will do whatever it takes to get that. And they will maybe even set that other person up and sabotage them. And they're very convincing. Mm -hmm. How do you think they do that? How are they able to manipulate other people, especially in a workplace? You said they're convincing. I would think that they're charismatic too. Yes. They can pick out what we call an apath. They find someone else who they can hook into their story. So it's called triangulation. They're very, very good about getting someone who will kind of join with them. And they convince that other person that maybe... Sally over here has been cheating on her expense reports when really Sally has been a stellar employee, but that guy wants the, mm -hmm. the raise or the promotion or whatever. So he's able to get somebody else hooked in and then they kind of gang up on her and then it gets very convoluted, mm -hmm. but if they can't do it by themselves, they will find a weak link. Someone who is either, they call them apaths because they're apathetic. Yeah. They don't really care if that other person gets harmed. Or maybe that apath has something against that person that manipulator wants to harm. If you're the manipulator, you do it with no guilt because you're not empathic. That's exactly right. So you have absolutely no guilt. No guilt, no remorse. Yeah, that, that blows my mind. I listened to all that and I thought I would feel terrible if I did any of those things. Of course. Who are these people walking the earth that, feel that, that don't feel that? And there's the difference between you. So now you all get to know you're not a manipulator. 
<laughs> because that is exactly the correct response. It's like, I could never do that. How can someone do that to another person? Someone who's been a target of a gaslighter, who's really taken the brunt of it, they forget these things. They might feel that way initially and they might confront them. Mm-hmm. But then again, you get back to the thing you talked about earlier, the disbelief and the defense and the depression. That manipulator is so convincing that they start to question themselves. Is that basically happening because of the subtle progression? Yes, it is subtle. It's not an overnight thing. It it takes time to build it up. You can actually take a very small example of the workplace situation, but you can take it to an extreme example of sex trafficking. It's the grooming part. There's a different term they use for it, idealization. So it's a stage where they start to groom the person, they find out what their strengths and weaknesses are and how to pull them in. And then once they have been able to figure that out, then the gaslighting starts and they are able to start to change the tone of the way they've been with that person. When I went through my training for sex trafficking, that was really hard because you would watch how they call them finessers, these gaslighters, they're the finessers. And so they go out and they find these young boys and girls and they convince them that nobody will love them like they can. They'll take care of them. They'll pay for their things. They'll get them food. They'll give them shelter, right? So they're taking them in because usually they're the kids that are either sort of left abandoned or they're in a child receiving home or like they don't have a stable home. They're brought in and they're taken care of and no one will love you like I'll love you kind of thing. And then as soon as that conditioning has occurred, that's when it starts to change. And then what happens to the targeted person is they are like, okay, wait, they loved me and now they don't. So I'm going to try even harder. I'm going to prove to them I am worthy and whatever little messages you start to tell yourself to get back to where you were because you're so desperate to be back in that safe place. Mm -hmm. And that relationship, that type of thing, it can happen in marriages, can go back and forth and back and forth, you know, the push and the pull. And that's why it's hard for some people to leave marriages that have been abusive, you know, because there's been enough, I hate the word brainwashing, but that is, there's a conditioning that's occurred. Mm -hmm. I mean, this sounds very serious. You're talking about how they want to break someone down and it's abuse. Yes. I hear this term a lot, but I'm guessing that it gets misused then because as you said, we can all be manipulative. Mm Mm-hmm. And we've all done little things like that. But the thought of wanting to break someone has never crossed my mind. Yes. What are some of the subtle differences or what do you think about that? It's a great question. It's so funny. I just saw someone post on Facebook recently. It was a grid of different people that we would know in society, political people and other people. And the title was gaslighting. And then it would have the person and then it would have a word under it. For example, victim. And then this person who posted said gaslighting. That's actually the wrong use of the term gaslighting. Perception is really important to different people. I was just thinking, what a weird title to put on this thing, because this does not fit what gaslighting is. So a lot of times people tell little white lies. They may not be always giving the truth and be honest. Is that gaslighting? No. It might be just to save ourselves a little bit of heartache, maybe to ease somebody else's pain. You know, there might be little reasons, but I think that term, you're seeing it all the time now. Same with narcissists, that gets thrown around all the time. Not everyone falls into that category. Some people are a little selfish and they're a little self-consumed, but an actual narcissist really, again, it's the manipulator. They don't have the empathy. If that piece is there, 
then you know you actually have the true definition. So the term you're saying then just gets thrown around to cover more behaviors than it actually characteristically does. Very much so, I think. And I'm hearing also in your explanation of gaslighting is it's systemic, right? So there's, it's a pattern. It happens over and over with somebody. It's not just a one-off occurrence where someone says, oh, this person's a gaslighter. Yes. Great example. There's a pattern and there's an intention behind it. Yeah, those are the, some of the hallmarks you want to look for. You know, that manipulator, they'll do other things too that'll throw you off. For example, they'll fake illnesses because they're always looking for people's sympathy, mm-hmm. their pity. A really empathic person, we care about people. We don't want them to be hurting. So they'll look for that weaker link and then hook them in on that. Mm-hmm. They love to play the victim. Some of them can be very aggressive. Got the finessers and the the charmers, but then you have the really aggressive ones that are more like the ones who dominate that more intense type where you'll see that more in like domestic violence. Again, there's variations of a manipulator. Mm -hmm. You were talking earlier about an apath. Have you noticed at all anyone using social media as a tool in that way to pull other people? Oh, absolutely. And that goes so many different directions. We see it on a political level, people using it. We see it on a, I feel like on a spiritual or religious level. It, depending on what you see on social media, it depends on who it draws in. Mm-hmm. How do we know what we can trust? Can we trust that? Who's telling me the truth? Who's manipulating me? Mm -hmm. And that's where, frankly, we have to go back to our own gut instincts. I think that that is a gift that has been given to us to be able to check in and say, does this make sense? Does this resonate with me? Is what this person's saying, how does this actually leave me feeling? Do I feel drained? Because that's another sign of a manipulative person is they kind of suck the life out of you. A lot of people come out of, come out of gaslighting or come, you know, into therapy with me. And that's one of the hallmark signs I see. They are drained. Mm-hmm. They are physically spent. They are emotionally spent and they don't have a reservoir to draw from. But the fact that they were resilient enough to show up to kind of get help is huge. And that's where I start with them. Mm-hmm. Let's start with what's working and then we'll heal the trauma and build on what, what's good. One of the things that I've heard a lot about in the gaslighting space is the chipping away of the support system. Yes. This isolating technique so that you feel you're the only one with this problem or concern or disagreement with the manipulator. Correct. And that's a really interesting thing for me to think about from a communication standpoint to say, as it progresses in this subtle march, it results in this person losing probably their check-ins. Yes. Because I have a lot of friends that I check in with about things I'm experiencing or feeling. Right. They'll say, no, you're not crazy or you are crazy. Yes. I'm asking their opinion, of course, but that's something we use our social support system for is to manage these discrepancies when we aren't sure what to think. That's right. And so what I'm hearing is this chipping away of that system. That's absolutely correct. The more control that gaslighter can have and the longer they can sustain the action, the control over that person. And if that means lying to them and telling them, I'm just thinking of an example, your parents don't, don't agree with what you're saying. Your siblings don't agree. I talked to your friend, Pam, and she doesn't agree. Those could be just blatant lies. But if you are being isolated enough and you don't have those touchstones, you start to believe it. And that's where the brainwashing happens. 
probably all heard at some point, sort of the, the term, the Stockholm syndrome mm-hmm. that's based on bank robbery that happened in Stockholm in Sweden. And the captors were strapped with bombs. The people who had captured them started to convince them that the police were not actually looking out for their best interests. So they built this, I mean, I don't even know how what period of time they were able to do this, but this must've been really ex- exceptional, masterful manipulation to be able to convince them that, to, that the people who are taking advantage of them were actually going to help them. When you start to connect with your captor, that's a problem. That's extreme brainwashing. So again, we're looking at a whole gamut. It's like certain things like autism has a huge spectrum, right? This does as well. These hallmarks I talk about that you will see in almost every manipulator. Very, very common. Stacy, you have given us so much to think about. We have learned the difference between regular manipulation and gaslighting. We've identified the hallmarks of gaslighting and a gaslighter and even learned about some of the warning signs. But our conversation isn't over. We have lots of things to talk about, and we originally planned to complete this topic in one episode, but there's so much more territory to cover. We're going to continue this on in our next episode, and this is, by the way, published today. So you can hear it today. By listening to it, you will hear the rest of this compelling interview on gaslighting and manipulation. So as always, be sure to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.